You know, in these days of social media, um, don't feel like you need to share, post, or tweet my bathroom story out to anybody out there. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a family story. Right? It's kind of a family story. So, um, trusting you guys. But actually, it's, it's kind of one of these things where at, at GRX, we don't really have to take ourselves too seriously. We, we take Jesus seriously. Certainly, we take Jesus Christ seriously, but we don't have to take ourselves too seriously. We can have a lot of fun with that. Uh, now, to, uh, to start off this message, and actually this whole series, I want to share something with you that's been on my mind, been on my heart for actually a long time, and it's uh, nine words. It's three phrases of three words each, and it's a summary, if you will, of our vision and of our mission. And um, it's going to come up here on the screen in just a sec. It's to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. It's a calling of a community. It's a calling of a church. It's a calling and really a summary of, of our, our missional uh, and visional uh, documents to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. It's what we're doing here at, at GRX. It's got a lot of different components to it. It's both outwardly missional, but it's also inwardly transformational. It's outward because it's not just thinking about us, it's thinking about who are the people that God has placed in our lives? Who are the people that we're living among? And the lives that we live, how are we modeling and how are we leading the people that we're in relationship with? How are we leading them? And what are we leading them to? But then it's also inwardly transformational because it asks of ourselves, are we ourselves living with an authentic faith? Do we have a real faith? Do we live our days and make our decisions out of an authentic, loving, and trusting relationship with Jesus Christ? It's got elements of being an individual calling. How am I living my faith? But there's also a corporate calling in this. For us as a church, are the things that we are doing as a community leading people to authentic faith in Jesus? Are we pointing people to Christ? This has been emerging over time. It's come out of conversations that we've been having with LT for over a year. Our staff has been looking at this and really weighing some of the stuff that we do together as a church through this kind of lens. And I've also been having a number of conversations with people within GRX, talking with you, listening with you about what is important about our church community. And then finally, I've been spending a lot of time in prayer for us as a church. How do we know that we're on target? What are we doing? Where are we going? How are we moving together as a church? And so I offer this to you to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ as what I see as really a salient 
rememberable kind of summary of what I think we're about. Three phrases, three words each, nine words, to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. I think this can anchor us and help us to be on target. You know, reflecting on this, reflecting on this in our expression of our faith, I see this in the actions of our church community. I mean, think about what we do every summer when we run Vacation Bible School over at the local elementary school. We have 140 kids come. We have people all over GRX volunteering, taking time off of work to run Vacation Bible School, the week-long summer camp, day camp. It's to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. That's why we run that camp. When we study the Bible together in life groups, when we looked at Revelation last fall, it's to lead people, including ourselves, to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ through knowing the word of God and studying the book of Revelation. I see this in the hearts of our leaders. Um, I see this in the hearts of our people. You know, when you invite somebody to church, and you invite them to come, you invite them to come to the Christmas Eve service, you invite them to come to Easter, you invite them to come to, to worship. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you invite them to come, meet some cool people, eat some food. Yeah, come out of the Christmas potluck. You, you invite them to come into our community. When you invite them to the retreat in May, you invite them to a place where we can get away and have fun. But it's under the larger umbrella that we're leading people to authentic faith in Jesus. We're not just getting together to eat and have fun, but we're getting together so that we can all grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. This is the deeper and underlying hope for all the stuff that we do when we get together. I have to say this. I'm actually not much of a poker player. Um, So I'm looking at this anti-human trafficking fundraiser coming up, and I'm going, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm going. I'm certainly going. Um, and I hear, um, actually, if you are a poker player, you do need suckers to come so that you can you know, like win and stuff. So I, I guess I'd fall into that category. But I'm coming, and I'm looking at this event, this anti-human trafficking fundraiser, this, this poker tourney, and I am really excited about this event. I am really excited about it. But Why? I'm really excited about it because there's a team of people here at GRX who are exercising their faith and leading out in an authentic way to create this event where we can gather together. And what it's going to do is it's going to raise money and support people working to fight human trafficking, to work in the arena of mercy and justice and compassion, which are very close to the heart of God. And they're going to be doing that through this event. But it also has this outreach component, this really funny outreach component, that maybe perhaps people who would never darken the door of a church would go, well, hey, I really like Texas Hold'em. I really like poker. And I'm going to go to that. And by coming to that, who knows? This may be, for them, the first step towards meeting some people in our community, 
towards seeing a goodness in the community and experiencing a friendship within the community that draws them more deeply into the goodness of Jesus Christ. So I'm really excited about this event. I'm really excited about Texas Hold'em because of what I see God doing in and through the lives of people in our community and people beyond our community to bring people together. Now, this thing to do, to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ, it's not an easy thing to do. And one obstacle that people face, that we will face, is that in our time and in our culture, to be a follower of Jesus Christ looks like foolishness. It actually looks foolish to be a follower of Jesus Christ when you place what the message of Christ alongside the value of our culture. What our culture sees as worthwhile makes the message of the cross look like foolishness. And I'll unpack this just a little bit more in a bit. But for now, I'd like us to turn to the Bible and see that the foolishness of faith and the foolishness of the message of the cross is actually not something just for our culture and our time, but it was actually a challenge even for the very early Christians. So if you have your Bibles, let me open up to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. What we're going to look at is a letter that Paul wrote to the followers of Jesus who lived in an ancient city called Corinth. And Corinth is actually a city-state, but it's an area that's very, very similar to Silicon Valley. It's a city that is very rich both in resources and in people. It's commercially prosperous. There's numerous trade routes that met in Corinth. Coming from the east, from where Rome was, and when you're heading, um, heading east from Rome, Corinth was this natural stopping point from Rome. It was also actually situated between Athens and Sparta, Athens to the north and then Sparta to the south. So it's right in that uh, Greek peninsula area. So this was Corinth. It was a, a maritime city, a lot of people from all over, a lot of culture. You had philosophy, you had finances, you had a lot of this in Corinth. This is the community that the Apostle Paul is writing to when he writes these words. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18, going to 25. This is out of the NIV version. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. That's out of Isaiah 29, 14. So Paul goes on to say, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs. 
and Greeks look for wisdom, right? The city is between Athens and Sparta. And then this is key. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. It's Christ crucified. Foolishness. It looks like foolishness. You know, there's three major human ambitions. See if you would agree with me on this. Three major human ambitions. Money, security, and influence. I mean, you might add a few other things on this, but I think these are the three major human ambitions, money, security, and influence. And what I actually think these are underlying this desire or this drive for these things is actually a desire for power and for wisdom. It's a desire for power and wisdom. In the ancient city of Corinth, these were the ambitions of the people. These were the ambitions that Paul was writing to. The Jews that were there, they were under the impressive power of the Roman government. And so the Jews were looking for a Messiah, but they were looking for a Messiah of power. The Jews wanted Jesus because he would be the Messiah, the leader from God, who would deliver them through power. That was actually the understanding and the expectation of the Jewish people, that Messiah meant the deliverer, the one who would deliver They were looking for someone that would be like a political, military, revolutionary leader. He would lead the charge and throw out the Roman government by strength and by power. But instead, the Jesus Christ who came, who was the Messiah, was the one who was crucified and died on the cross. It's Christ crucified. It's the reversal of God's power. And that's why in this section, Paul talks about Jesus crucified, the stumbling block for the Jews, because the Jews were looking for power, and instead they got Christ crucified. For the Greeks, they sought wisdom. They sought wisdom through philosophy, through rhetoric, through argument. They were famous for their capacity to argue and to reason. This expression of influence, this expression of power was done through philosophy. Also in that same area of of Corinth, commerce, it brought in money. And those who could amass a lot of money could create a lot of security and a lot of power for themselves. The message of Jesus Christ and Christ crucified is a life marked by compassion, by humility, by generosity, by sacrificial love. That's utter foolishness. The desire for these things, money, security, influence, power, wisdom, they're influences that are so human, 
not just in Corinth, but they're so human, even for us, even for us. In our culture, influence and power are often exercised for personal gain. There's prevailing value. I live in this in our culture, where if you amass a lot of money, then all that money will help make you secure. I, I find this a little bit, even just as I'm, I'm driving in my car, I'm listening to sports radio, it struck me the other day. I just heard this, you know, San Francisco 49ers, Coach Tom Sula. All right, you guys, Niners didn't do so well this year, so they fired him. But did you know this? Tom Sula, this year, he's going to be making 10 million bucks for the rest of his contract. Man, when I heard that on sports radio, I'm like, oh man, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Maybe, maybe I can get fired. <laughs> and maybe I can get like a $10 million payout. And I'm like, man, what would I do with that? And I started dreaming. I said, oh, you know, I could, I could get a cool house and uh, that would be awesome. And, you know, I could, I could, uh, I could finally get that Get, you know, I could finally get that minivan, and yeah, that'd be sweet. Has Tesla got a minivan yet? And I'm like, man, you know, I could, and then I think, okay, well, I got to think of something kind of holy and spiritual, so I know I'll buy GRX a building, and do that, and that'd be cool, and, and then I'm like, oh, man, that, that was so curious. Like, I'm listening to sports radio, and all of a sudden, my mind just kind of naturally goes into, man, if I just had more money, then my life would be so much more powerful, more secure, more influential. Just, I'm like, wow, I live in this culture. I live in this culture. It's where Jesus says, don't seek after all these things, but seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And then all this stuff will be yours as well, right? right? That's what Jesus says, right? But it looks, like, it looks like foolishness. It looks like foolishness, the message of the cross. Because culture says, I need to amass money. But the cross says, hey, you got your money? Give it away. Be generous. Culture says, I need to amass power. I need to amass power. But Jesus says, release power. Live a life of humility. Culture says we need a strong and dominant leader. We need strong and dominant leaders. But the message of Jesus is, you want to follow me? I'm the crucified Christ. So follow my life into the way of the cross. It's humility. It's power used for the benefit of other people. Jesus wasn't the dominant leader. Jesus was the crucified leader. The Apostle Paul says, we preach Christ crucified who rose again from the dead and that's the foolishness. That's the foolishness for everybody. There's a Oxford University professor. He actually passed away, but he was a philosophy professor. 
His name's Dr. Iyer. And he denounced Christianity and he scorned the cross because to him it just looked like absolute foolishness. Dr. Iyer said this, Christianity is inc- incredibly foolish because, quote, it rests on the idea of original sin and vicarious atonement, which are intellectually contemptible and morally outrageous. What is sin and atonement? It's that we as humans are broken and atonement is that Jesus Christ through the cross in God's love has forgiven us and has made us whole, has taken our brokenness and healed it. He said this is intellectually contemptible and morally outrageous. Well, then I'd have to say that Dr. Iyer would probably not like the name of our church very much because our church is the great exchange where we get to exchange all of our sin and all of our brokenness for all of the goodness and all of the forgiveness and all of the love of Jesus Christ. The great exchange is that all of our bad gets exchanged for all of God's good. That's the great reversal. That is the great exchange in Jesus Christ. That's taking our sin into the atonement of God. That's morally outrageous that we would get that. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, that's the foolishness that we're invited into. It does look like foolishness. Except if you know that you need to be saved. Then it is the power of God. It's the power of God in our lives. Imagine this. I'm going to close with this illustration. Go with me with this. Imagine you're on an airplane. You know, now, under the seat of the airplane, um, not only can your seat cushion be used as a flotation device in the case of a water landing, but also under your seat, there's a life vest. There's a life preserver. Now, if the plane was in the air, and imagine this, you put on your life vest and you pulled those little red tabs and you inflated it and you're there on the plane, it would look like absolute foolishness. Your neighbor in the next seat would be like, dude, man, what are you doing? Why you put your life vest on? But imagine this. What if the plane was in the water? Then you'd want to get your life vest on no matter how foolish it looked. So here's the question. Do you think the plane's in the air? Or do you think the plane's in the water? Our culture says the plane is in the air. We can save ourselves through money, through power, through wisdom, and through influence. But the cross of Christ and faith in Jesus Christ gives us a different world view. 
It gives us a different worldview. And it says in the end, we really can't save ourselves. We really can't secure our future in the way that we want to. But Jesus Christ can. Jesus Christ is our lifesaver. We don't need to save ourselves through money, through power, through influence, through rhetoric, through philosophy. And we also don't need to strive after those things as if those things will ultimately save us. And then when we release on those, there's actually freedom. There's actually real freedom to live our lives in the light of Jesus Christ who loves us and wants us to find our ultimate security in him. That's what we're doing here at GRX. To lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. To some, this would seem like a very, very foolish calling. It would be a very, very foolish thing to commit your life to. It's morally outrageous that in the end, all of our bad would get exchanged for all of God's good. But that is exactly the promise that we have in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful that you used your power in the way of the cross that you might save us. God, thank you that you exchanged all of our bad for all your good. God, thank you. We invite you to come more deeply into our lives that we might live our lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.